Ari Rosenbaum here with another fun-filled episode of that 4K podcast. This quick topic, we're going to talk about how plan sponsors could deal with those annoying 401k plan provider cold calls, uh, which is uh, obviously a um, situation that, you know, as a plan sponsor myself, I've had to deal with. Not a lot of fun, but there, you know, there is some reasoning behind it, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about, you know, the situations and, and how to deal with it. But of course, first things first, that 401k conference, we are returning live. Phoenix, Arizona, Tuesday, May 10th, Chase Field, special guest, Luis Gonzalez, 2001 World Series champion. Heck of a time it's going to be. Go to that 401ksite.com for further information uh, on that, as well as the June 24th event, Miami, Florida, uh, Lone Depot Park. Um, should be a lot of fun as well. Booking, you know, more... Um, speakers and whatnot, so we should have some information, as well as some information on what we'll do in September and October. Uh, October, we know that we're going to do Charlotte. November, thought about New Orleans, may push that off to next year and maybe do something more local to New York. We'll see. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you watch the news and every single time you're, you're dreading some sort of variant and whatnot, and I know that Philly just put back in their mass mandate and all that kind of stuff. So, um, go to that 4 for further information on all our events. And those plan provider cold calls, they're a little pesky. And I think plan sponsors really need to understand that when a plan is subject to ERISA, there's a 5500 requirement, and that 5500 is publicly available. Uh, thanks to e-filing and e-fast, um, uh, Another plan provider could get that information possible uh, and quickly, and, and it's more timely. I remember back in the day when my friends at Brightscope, the, the founders of Brightscope, initially put out the product. That was the days before eFast, and so you know the 5500 information was a little stale. But thanks to eFast, it's up there quickly. And you know, plan sponsors need to understand that there's a whole cottage industry within the retirement plan industry where details of their plan are sold to plan providers that want information for plan prospecting and these plan providers certainly want your business. So, you know, plan sponsors need to realize that, you know, you know there'll be phone calls, emails, um, and even to this day in 2022, actual mail from plan providers that want their business. I think that... Uh, I think the first things first, I think plan sponsors need to realize that, you know, talking to another plan provider is not being disloyal. So when a plan provider contacts the plan sponsor about their plan, uh, there's always a sales pitch attached to it, obviously. You know, nobody's just wanting to say hello. Uh, I have an audited plan that I, I run. It's a plan fiduciary, and so therefore you'll get the auditor letters um, and, uh, you know, what's going on with that plan. You know, that kind of information. And a plan sponsor needs to realize that uh, speaking to another plan provider is, 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 you know, they need to see that that's not some type of disloyalty. Uh, the only loyalty that a plan sponsor should have are to its plan participants. Uh, because as a fiduciary, a plan sponsor has a duty of loyalty to them, duty of prudence, uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, the current plan providers that a plan sponsor may have uh, isn't, you know, the spouse isn't, you know, your spouse where, you know, you need to have some sort of loyalty. 
and uh, you know, uh, talking to another plant provider uh, is perfectly acceptable. And, and quite honestly, you know, it does need to happen uh, every now and then. And as part of a plant sponsor's job, they need to talk to other plant providers. Um, you know, again, a plant sponsor is a plant fiduciary. And, and part of the process of being a fiduciary is exercising, you know, a duty of care at the highest level. Because, you know, when you're a fiduciary, um, you have the highest duty of care in equity law. And uh, you need to make sure, uh, as a fiduciary, that the incumbent plant providers are, are doing the job, uh, that they were contracted and paid to do so. Um, unfortunately, too many plan errors caused by you know plant providers are only discovered in an IRS and DOL audit, or when there is a change of plant provider. It always reminds me of Casino. Um, there's a line in the movie Casino where Robert De Niro, I think uh, the Ace, same Ace Rothstein character, is waiting. Uh, for uh, the uh, Joe Pesci character, uh, which is based on Anthony the Rat Spilatra. I forgot what his name is in the movie. But uh, it talks about the holes in the desert. And the holes in the desert are where a lot of, uh, you know, bodies are buried and a lot of problems are buried. And unfortunately, a plant provider isn't very good at their job, knows where to, you know, put... <laughs> there, there are a lot of holes where they, they fill stuff up with plant errors. But... Um, and I think it's always a good idea for another plant provider to check on a plan. Um, you know, obviously, a plant provider that wants to do a free review, it's not really free because there's a sales pitch attached to it. Uh, fee disclosure regulations, you know, obviously um, are out there um, that, you know, obviously require any type of plant provider to disclose the direct and indirect forms of compensation that they receive for the services they provide to a plan. So plan sponsors need to realize that their incumbent plan providers have to reveal their fees. And, you know, as a plan sponsor, they have a fiduciary duty to make sure that the fees being charged as disclosed on the fee disclosure form are reasonable for the service for the service provided. You really can't take the word of, you know, a plan provider that their fees are, are reasonable. A plan sponsor has that duty. Um, of a duty to pay only reasonable fees, and they can only do that by benchmarking fees against what other plant providers charge. Uh, and I think plant sponsors, again, always need to realize that they only have to pay reasonable plant expenses, not the cheapest. Um, obviously, I think gauging plan um, providers just on cost is a recipe for disaster. So it's important for a plant sponsor to factor in the level of service to gauge whether the fees are reasonable or not. And obviously, speaking to another plant provider goes a long way to being a gauge whether the fees being charged by the incumbent provider is reasonable or not. Um, you know, I, I, I always talk, I, I record downstairs, I, I have a high ranch, so downstairs in my house, you know, thanks to Hurricane Sandy and whatnot over the years, this house has gone through a lot of changes. There was an addition that my wife did right before Hurricane Sandy, and I've always had issues with contractors. And one of my biggest issues, my mistake, was hiring this one group of contractors for multiple jobs and not realizing that the fees that they were being that they were charging us were high. Only did we realize that later. You know, when you want to overpay for stuff, that that's fine. You know, it reminds me as a kid. Uh, my 
aunt and uncle were wealthier than we were. Not as wealthy as I thought. I mean, they lived in, in, in uh, they lived in Rockland County and whatnot. And I remember the story, uh, my cousin, she had an Apple IIc and I had an Apple IIe. And one of the greatest programs out there at that, that time was Print Shop. And I remember I bought that game for $33 and my cousin got it for 60 You know, when you overpay for something, that's on you. But when it comes to being responsible for other people, you know, you can't overpay. So if my uncle wanted to pay $27 more for the same program that I did, that, that was on him and whatnot. And of course, they filed for bankruptcy years later, but that's a whole nother story. Um, not that I need to go into that. But, uh, you know, if you want to pay extra for, you know, uh, if you want to pay extra for extra services as a plan sponsor, that's on you. You can do that. Uh, but, you know, talking to another provider, I think, goes a long way to gauging uh, plan expenses. Next, vet any provider you talk to. So, again, going back to the contractor nonsense, I'm downstairs where I usually record in the high ranch. And I hear it, maybe you don't, but there is a French drain in the house. So anytime it rains, um, it fills up. And it spits out water uh, by the curb. Uh, because this house, the water tables shifted quite a bit. Uh, the house was built, we later found out after Hurricane Sandy, on sand. Uh, so therefore we needed waterproofing. And After a bad storm, I, I went to Google a company. Uh, there was water coming out of the, the, the floor, like the carpet. So the carpet was always wet, was wet anytime it rained. So like a moron... I went to Google waterproofing Long Island and I found the first company. What I didn't do was I didn't bother to vet them. I didn't look for any type of uh, you know ratings or you know Yelp or, or whatnot. I don't even know if Yelp existed at the time. But um, we had issues with them. They uh, there was one night where uh, the alarm for the for the uh, for the French drain just like, you know, sounded off. And we had issues with them. They destroyed some stuff in our bathroom and whatnot. And uh, had I done a little research, I would have found out that, you know, just going to the Nassau County uh, licensing for contracting search, um, Consumer Affairs, I guess, does that. Uh, I would have found that multiple complaints against this provider uh, if I would have done more research, I would have realized that the person supposedly running the company wasn't actually the owner. His wife was. And the reason his wife was, because this perceived owner, um, it was not for some type of uh, set-aside, uh, as they do for government contracting for female businesses and minority-owned businesses. This was done because the, the perceived owner of the company was a former podiatrist who lost his medical license because of Medicare fraud. Uh, you know, I think when a plan provider contacts a plan sponsor out of the blue without a referral, you only, you know, you would only know what they tell you. And they're going to tell you they're wonderful. Um, if you don't check up on plan providers that contact you and engage with you, you really have no idea of their qualifications. So 
while a financial advisor uh, needs some sort of registration, you know, be the broker or, you know, their RIA, uh, you know, and an auditor needs to be a CPA. The problem is there's no license requirements for a TPA. You know, I'm an ERISA attorney. Uh, you can go to New York State, uh, check the licensing that my, my bar standing is still in good order. Uh, TPA, ERISA 316 fiduciary, there are no standards. Uh, so anyone, including my son, can claim they are TPA or 316 administrator. And uh, there was a TPA 316 administrator that was arrested for stealing $13 million from their 401k clients. Uh, and that was, uh, uh, I'm sure if you, you check, uh, it was Vantage Benefits. And while um, Jeff Ritchie was running a TPA for many years, a Google search would have shown that he was sanctioned by the SEC a decade earlier for millions in penalties and banned from the securities industry for three years. To me, where I come from, we call that a clue. So if you, you know, Google, um, you know, somebody who's a principal owner of the company and you see some issues or, or you know, as they say, some knocks or in casino, they say pinches, um, you know, he got pinched for, uh, you know, SEC violations. That's, that's a problem. A plan sponsor has a duty of prudence. And hiring a plan provider just based on a phone call or email message may come back to haunt them. Uh, you know, obviously, if the plan provider isn't really up to the task of, you know, doing their job. Negligent hiring of plan providers is a breach of fiduciary duty of prudence. So even if you hire a 316 administrator, 338, where you're delegating the authority to uh, a negligent plan provider, a plan sponsor is still on the hook. So uh, again, I know quite a few. I, I unfortunately, um, you know, in my career, it's been so long, and uh, you know, I, I'm kind of unfiltered, which you know is usually a problem. But you know, I know two folks sitting in federal prison right now for stealing money from plans. Uh, our paths crossed. Um, Jeff Ritchie um, is sitting in federal prison. And Matt Hutchinson sitting in federal prison. And Matt Hutchinson's probably got another seven or eight years. And if you Google his story, he, you know, proclaims his innocence. And having, you know, succeeded him as the administrator of the plan, the multiple employer plan he did steal from, I can vouch that uh, to this day, there was always a story with him as to why uh, a certain dental practice didn't receive the money that came from another one of his maps to the one that I was running. So that was obviously a problem. And, you know, there are plenty of ways to check up on a plan provider, and I, uh, I implore a plan sponsor to do that, and it can be done for free. We're not talking about doing some sort of, you know, detective work by hiring a detective. It can be done for free. And um, next... You know, don't be defensive, understand their perspective. You know, any communication from a competing plan provider is a sales pitch. Uh, it doesn't mean that they're untrustworthy or they'll say anything to get hired. It just means that you have to understand what they're coming from. I think that that's always a problem. Um, they're not going to say wonderful things about your plan if they want to be hired. They're always going to say something uh, that could be done better. Um that's just the nature of the beast. Um, you know, they may say that the current plan provider is too expensive or causing administrative errors. 
you know, whatever it is, there's going to be obviously some sort of complaints. Uh, if your you know, plan provider is too negative about your incumbent provider and offers no reasons why they should be hired, that is also why you should note. Um, you know, I made a huge mistake in my life, but, you know, things things play out. But one mistake was I left one job for another just to leave the, the job that I was unhappy at. at. Uh, and I, you know, I, I'm sure you read it, you know, for the 10 of you who read in my book, uh, I was working as an ERISA attorney for a TPA. I liked working there despite it all. And when the chief operating officer is just, you know, intercepting your mail and just trying to dig up dirt on, on stuff that, uh, you know, supposedly I wasn't doing or whatever it was, it was time to go. And I went to a law firm and it just, you know, after 10 months, I went to another law firm. It just, you know, I think that it's always a mistake to, you know, jump from one provider or one job to another just to leave. You have to want to be going somewhere, and that's the mistake I made. And, you know, I don't think it's, I think it's important that a plan sponsor doesn't hire a plan provider just because of negativity, negativity flung about the current provider. Only hire plan providers that offer something that could, you know, help the plan. And, you know, when you hear negative stuff, it, it kind of, you know, turns people off. And I, I know that my negativity over the years uh, has certainly, you know, in my criticism certainly turned people off. Uh, but I remember one time, again, trying to leave that job, I went to another TPA in Long Island that was bought out by a company called Benefit Street. Um, and person who bought was one of the executives who was running it for Benefit Street was talking to me about a salesperson that had moved from that TPA to the TPA I was working at um, and just saying all these negative things that I just thought was just really unprofessional and it kind of soured on me and thankfully I didn't get the job. But negativity, uh, just too much negativity is a bad thing as well. Um, but I think it's important for plan sponsors not to be defensive about, you know, you know, plan providers that, you know, contact them. Um, you know, don't take personal offense to anything, you know, that you hear, in my opinion. And uh, don't take, and on the flip side, don't take what they say is, you know, is gospel. Next, the best source is always a referral, usually. Uh, you know, I, I used to say that I, I lived in a great area until I went on Facebook. And, you know, a lot of people on Facebook, uh, in the community groups, they make referrals for business. And it always reminds me of that line from the movie Back to School. Maybe the people giving referrals are maniacs. Uh, best way to meet a plan provider is obviously through a referral from a trusted source. Referrals aren't perfect. Mistakes have been made. Uh, especially when the first hand, uh, when the referrer doesn't have first hand knowledge of the plan provider's work. So sometimes you go into one of those networking groups and you say, you got an attorney for me? And they said, oh yeah, so-and-so. And that so-and-so, they have no idea who that, you know, if that person's any good, it's just somebody they had run into. Uh, you know, speaking of somebody who's made many referrals over the years, um, I've seen where referrals have, you know, gone wrong. Um. You know, a trusted source making referrals to a specific plant provider, in my opinion, is more valuable than just relying on a cold call from a provider that a plant sponsor never heard of. 
you know, if the plan sponsor gets a cold call or mail from from a t potential plan provider, and they're interested in meeting, I think it's important to ask for a list of current clients. So, you know, plan sponsor can contact them and 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 vet the plan sponsor out. Last but not least, a plan sponsor can always say no, thank you. Um, you know, again, one of the things I hate. And I've said it repeatedly in, in posts on LinkedIn and whatnot. I hate the cold call. Um, I but what for me the cold call is I'm an arrest attorney. I know so many good advisors, and you have that one advisor. Typically, I'm sorry to say, is is a broker who contacts me, not thinking that I have never met a broker or advisor in my life, and is only interested in networking me to handle my money. Well. I handle my own money. I, I manage my own money. Uh, I'm sure that there are advisors who say I, I make mistakes, and I'm sure that I do, but you know that always irks me. So I think it's important when so, so when somebody reaches out to me on LinkedIn and wants to sell me something, I, I don't answer back. And, and quite honestly, when somebody wants to connect and they're in the business, in the legal business, but on the legal marketing business, I, I, I never connect, so I never hear from them. But you know, picking up the phone from a plan provider or opening up communication doesn't mean, you know, plan sponsor has to talk to them. You know, again, I, 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 I help run a $100 million for 1K plan, and, you know, you, the, the messages and phone calls you get are just just crazy. Um, you know, and you have to understand there are a lot of plan providers that are just really terrible at communicating with potential clients, and those there's no legal requirement that you have to talk to specific plan providers, which reminds me, I... I there was one broker who reached out to me in the, obviously it was a New York broker and he didn't really know what I did. So he, it's like one of those, um, you know, we all do like, you know, uh, uh, I would call it mail merge, but you know, canned responses. Listen, when I'm trying to get sponsorship, uh, for a conference, you know, it's going to be a canned, you know, response, but it's going to be tailored to who I'm trying to contact DCIO or TPA rep. And, um, he reached out to me and said, oh, I see you're doing wonderful things in the legal business or whatever. He, he didn't know what ERISA was. and It was just so funny um, that he would reach out like that. Needless to say, I didn't contact him. But, uh, you know, there are many planning providers that are really terrible at communicating, like, like that young broker. And there is no legal requirement for a plan sponsor to talk to these folks. So uh, just remember, a plan sponsor has a fiduciary duty to review plan providers and benchmark the fees, whether they want to talk to the cold pitch or not. So uh, the cold call or whatever, the lame sales pitch or whatever it is. Uh, and some of those sales pitches aren't lame. Uh, you know, quite a few people are really good at marketing. But uh, again, go to that formercasesite.com for further information on all the events on Phoenix, Miami, Charlotte, all that kind of stuff. And um, hope you tune in next week for another episode of that 401k podcast.